You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, oh man. Wednesday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What's up, Matt Miguez here on your Wednesday afternoon. Producer extraordinaire, co-host with the most, Mr. James Mesh, and the intern extraordinaire, Daryl, hanging out. James, what's going on, buddy? What's up? How are you? Doing all right. How about you? It's a Wednesday. I'm alive. There's a lot of sports to talk about. That is true. So I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Living the dream. All right, so let's do this. You need to get rid of that phrase. I know. I really do. That's, I really, a, really do. That's such a crutch for you. Um, just like interesting. Or how important is right, right. <laughs> just, those are those are my three crutches. In, in case you you couldn't tell. Today on the show, we're going to talk British Open with Chris Murphy at four thirty. We're obviously going to do Who That Wednesday with Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. There's a lot of headlines to get into. We're going to talk LSU's recruiting class for 2023. And we're also going to talk about the top 10 running backs and wide receivers in the NFL. But first, our poll question of the day, a little different than normal. Because we are 13 days away from training camp officially beginning six until the rookies arrive but 13 until the whole team will be there every day we're going to do a question on twitter as our poll question of the day so it's a comment below or call on the hotline with your answer 706-0111 who will be the number four wide receiver in the saints lineup you got a couple options deontay hardy is in that mix. Marquez Callaway is in that mix. You could even say, in, in terms of depth chart, you could even put Jarvis Landry there. So there's a there's a couple options. Maybe, you know, Taysom Hill is is your guess. Or I mean, there's there's not really a correct answer here. So who will be the number four wide receiver in the Saints lineup? I personally think is going to be Marquez Callaway. James, what are you? What are you leaning? I wholeheartedly agree. No. I just you. If you look at a, if if you look at a depth chart, one and two are going to be your two wideouts, and that's going to be Mike and Chris Olave. And three and four are going to be your two slot guys. I've got Jarvis and Callaway in those two spots, and then Hardy is number five if you're if you're running a five wide system. But. That's just that's just my opinion. If you got a different answer, 706-0111 or comment on Facebook or Twitter. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Now, staying on the topic of receivers, looking at the list that the NFL released of the top 10 receivers in the league. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this later. But 
one one thing that I want to touch on now that I find insane. How is Mike Thomas not on this list? I understand he hasn't played in a year and a half. I, I get that. But when he was playing, the guy was setting league records. The guy had 1,000 yards every year he was in the league. How is he not instantly regarded as at least top 10? I'd have him top 5. And that's not being biased. The guy's a top 5 receiver in this league. James, I mean, do do you agree that it is insane that he is not on this list? I'm not surprised. I mean... A lot of people like to argue that he's not there, even when he was healthy and when he was breaking the record. So I'm not shocked. I personally would still have him top five. I mean, looking at the list, and, and well, Mike Evans, Mike Evans is good. Don't get me wrong. Top ten, a little bit of a stretch for me. Same thing with Jamar Chase for me. Little bit of a stretch. I love Jamar. Jamar had a great. Great rookie season. But it was one season. Third best receiver in the league? Really? DK's number 10? I'm also, and I'm also looking at D-Hop. Yeah, D-Hop's too high too. D-Hop, I I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get that feeling of, it feels like D-Hop's starting to slow down. Oh, yeah. I don't don't know if this was just a one-year thing. And he just was injured. The Cardinals better hope so. But if it, it, it feels like, and I don't know if it was just because of the system, but it feels like a lot of time the only time that D Hop would get the ball is on a is on a wide receiver screen or a mm-hmm. slant, short routes. And then it's like, okay, yeah, he, he so was. Is, is that's the same thing with Mike Thomas. He was Kyler's check down more often than not, and that's concerning. And for coaches and executives to have him listed as the seventh best receiver in football. What DeAndre Hopkins are you are you watching highlight videos from three years ago? Because if so, then maybe. This now DeAndre Hopkins? No shot. No shot. Stephon Diggs, I agree with. Tyreek Hill, agree with. Justin Jefferson, fourth best, that's fair. Cooper Cup, second best. You see, Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams is great. Nobody's going to argue that. Here's my concern, and, and it's, we're gonna, this is going to get proven this year. Did Aaron Rodgers make Devontae Adams? A receiver can only be as good as his quarterback. And this isn't a knock on Derek Carr. But I really feel like Devontae Adams was only as good as he was in Green Bay because of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers can put it in places that Derek Most Carr quarterbacks can't. can't. So some of the catches that Devontae Adams made and it was just a lot. he was open. Yep. But it was a very small window and very few quarterbacks could hit that and Aaron Rodgers was one of the guys, so I feel so, production like maybe two or three touchdowns less. If, if Devontae Adams pops off for 1,200 yards and 
10 touchdowns this year. Clearly, I'm going to be wrong because clearly it wasn't Aaron Rodgers making Devontae Adams. But if, if Devontae Adams only goes for you know 706, is he still a top receiver in the league? Oh, there's no shot he only gets 706 unless he gets injured. No, no way he gets that little. I mean, I'm not that that might be a, a stretch. I agree with you, but I'm just I'm trying to prove my point. You know, last season 1500 and 11 touchdowns. If that number drops to 900, you know, if he gets it, if he gets anything less than 1000. Are are we are we still looking at Devontae Adams as a top receiver in the league at 29 years old? I don't think so. Now, one thing that might help this conversation is the fact that Devontae Adams and Derek Carr have played together already. They played together at Fresno State. Devontae Adams was Derek Carr's top target at Fresno State for three years. So the relationship, the chemistry is there. I'm not saying that I I'm not saying I think Devontae Adams will struggle in Oakland. I just I, I want to see if Devontae Adams is truly as good as he looked to be in Green Bay. That's that's the point that I'm trying to make. Once again, poll question on Facebook and Twitter. Who will be the number four wide receiver in New Orleans? I really think Marquez Callaway, and that that's crazy to think about, right? Because a year ago, or, or this past season... Marquez was wide receiver one. And now with the moves that the Saints have made in the offseason, not to mention getting Michael Thomas back from injury, Quez is back down to four. It's crazy how much a, a offseason can can change things for you. I mean, you get you draft Chris Olave, you acquire Jarvis Landry. The defense that we thought was already phenomenal appeared to have gotten a little bit better I don't know I some people might call me crazy for this but I'm expecting a good you know 11 and 6 12 and 5 kind of year out of the New Orleans Saints I'm expecting 12 and 5 13 and 4 yeah that I just it's shaping up to be that kind of year, and I know people are still dogging Jameis Winston, and you know are worried about Jameis Winston. And I get the concern, I do. Guy came off of the ACL. He had good numbers, but it was very small sample size. You know what kind of quarterback is he going to be coming off of that injury? I get the concern, but the guy's got it. He's always had it. I mean, look at the numbers that he was able to put up in Tampa with very little help. I mean, other than Mike Evans, who did he have in Tampa? I can't name one receiver that he had in Tampa other than Mike Evans. And still managed to throw for 3,500-plus in four of the five years he was in Tampa. His worst year in Tampa was... 29.92. And then in 2019, his last year in Tampa, he threw for 5,100 yards with 33 touchdowns. But then, you know, he also had 30 interceptions. 
I think Jameis is going to be the guy that everybody thought he would be when he came out of Florida State after he won the Heisman. I think it's time for Jameis to be that guy. Think about it. He's only 28 years old. He still has a lot of football left to play. You got him on a very team-friendly deal. He's got something to prove, so you know he's going to come out there with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, I don't see how there's a downside to this if you're the Saints. A lot of fans seem to think that there is. A lot of fans seem to think that Jameis isn't going to do anything and we're going to be screwed offensively. And I don't buy that. And James, I know you don't buy that either. You love Jameis. Oh, I love him. There are there are obviously things that he needs to work on, but well, I mean, there quarterback there's exactly. things Aaron Rodgers needs to work on exactly. So I mean, that's to me, he's made significant improvement, and he's and he's especially shown the willingness to want to improve and get better. You see the silly workouts, but man, look at what he's done. He's gotten. We used to think, oh, you just chuck it deep with Jameis, but no. If you watched last year, he's become a lot more patient, and he's willing to dunk dump the ball off instead of just looking for the 50-yard bomb every time. So staying on the topic of the NFL, you know, everybody's been talking about the the Zach Wilson drama. You know, the the he's hooking up with his mom's best friend and you know, he's in the news all over the place. On top of that, his ex-best friend is dating his ex, whatever, you know, just a bunch of drama, right? And so, well, actually, let's go to the hotline. Ralph's calling in. We'll, we'll get back to the Zach Wilson news. Ralph, what's going on? Hey, just real quick, man. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for big things out of Jameis, too, uh, providing, you know, the offensive line uh, gels like we, like we hope it, you know, it does. I mean, um, still a couple, of, a couple of concerns I have, uh, you know, if, on that line. But if we can keep him clean, uh, I do think, you know, this is going to be the best receiving core he's had. Now, he did have a couple other weapons in Tampa. I think Chris Godwin was pretty good, and, and um, I believe O.J. Howard was his tight end over there. Also, I think he actually targeted him as much as uh, Mike Evans. But, um, but, but man, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to see exactly, you know, what he can do. Uh, again, it all, to me, depends on Mike Thomas's health. You know, if he, if he is the old Mike Thomas, then – Man, we're 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 good to go, you know. Um, but that remains to be seen. And I think the other key is that Adam Troutman has got to develop. That. He's got to be more consistent at tight end because I know they they're they're calling Taysom Hill a tight end. Uh, number one, that ab that core injury is, is is a tough one to come back from. So I'm not even sure how healthy he'll be at the beginning of the season. But he's not going to be a true tight end. So. Um, so let's hope the Troutman can develop a little bit more. But uh, that's all I got, guys. Y'all have a good day, man. Appreciate you, Ralph. So, yeah, Chris Godwin, he, he's a great receiver, right? And Jameis had him for three years in Tampa. But, you know, his first year he had 500 yards on 34 catches. The second year that went up to 59 catches for 842 yards. And then in 2019, that was the year Jameis led the league in passing yards. Godwin had 86 catches for 1,300 yards. So he put up decent numbers with Jameis. 
but not at the level that he's putting up with Tom Brady. I mean, in two years with Tom Brady, he's put up 840 and 11.03. So the last two years of Jameis and then the first two years of Tom are pretty comparable. So, okay, two two weapons. Because O.J. Howard, yeah, Jameis threw it to him a lot, but O.J. Howard isn't like this elite tight end. Back to the Zach Wilson thing, though, because I just I find this hilarious. Zach Wilson posted on Instagram today, and it's a picture of him working out, throwing a football, and it looks like Blake Bortles is behind him. And he's the location is Gazer Ranch in Idaho, and Zach Wilson's wearing a Gazer Ranch hat. It says, took the boys to at Gazer Ranch Club in Idaho before training camp. Poor cell service, dot, dot, dot. What I miss. Dude, that's goat level. That's absolutely incredible. You can't tell me he didn't hear about the drama going on surrounding him. That's absolutely fantastic. We'll take a time out right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. And when we return, we'll look at LSU's recruiting class for 2023 and give you the MLB scoreboard. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 13th, 1968. Gary Player wins the second of his three Open Championship titles with a two-stroke win over Bob Charles and Jack Nicklaus. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is packing its bags and we're headed to Atlanta. It's SEC Media Days starting Monday, July 18th as both RP3 and myself RB3 and Company and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame. It's the games live from SEC Media Day coverage presented by Bordel Law Furniture. Not only will RP3 and myself be broadcasting live, we will also be providing live updates every day on Footnotes and the Jordy Holberg Show. Kick off the 2022 season in Atlanta with the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 23 minutes after 4 o'clock. Looking at LSU's recruiting class for 2023, Brian Kelly's off to a good start. Ranked third in the SEC, eighth nationally. Their top prospect in this class, Jalen Brown, a six foot one, 160 pound wide receiver from Miami, Florida. He is a five star recruit, the third best wide receiver in the country. You also have Jackson Howard, an edge rusher out of Minnesota, at 6'4, 245. Deshaun Womack, another edge rusher from Baltimore, 6'4", 245 as well. Joshua Minkins, another edge rusher, 6'3", 220. He is out of Indianapolis. Max Markway, a 6'4", 250 tight end out of St. Louis. He's a four-star. Jackson Howard, Deshaun Womack, Joshua Minkins as well, four-star recruits. Dalen Austin is a four-star corner, 6'5", 176 pounds from Long Beach. Darren Reed, a defensive lineman. 6'3 and a half, 282 from Carver, Georgia. And then a guy a lot of people are talking about, 
Caleb Jackson, local Baton Rouge product, 5'10", 196 pounds. He's a four-star recruit. He's the eighth best running back in the class, and he is staying close to home going to LSU. There's a lot of four-stars in this class, a couple three-stars as well. The three-star that a lot of people are talking about, look out for Jeremiah Hughes, the corner Six foot, 165 pounds from Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas. He is the 66th best corner in the country. He was the sixth best corner out of Nevada. Jeremiah Hughes, Bishop Gorman High School, is a program that has produced tons and tons of talent. They are a nationally recognized football program, one of the top 25 in the country. And, you know, the most notable name lately, although. He didn't quite pan out, but Tate Martell went to Bishop Gorman High School. So definitely a lot of talent coming out of Las Vegas. Jeremiah Hughes looks to be a big name for Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. We'll, of course, keep you updated on their recruiting class as more recruits sign on with the Tigers. The Houston Astros will play tonight, 8:38. First pitch against the Angels. It'll be Christian Javier against Shohei Otani. You've had four games go final already today. Seattle taking down Washington 6-4 in game one of that doubleheader. The Mets took down the Braves 7-3. The Twins beat the Brewers 4-1. And the Royals took down the Tigers 5-2. Currently in the bottom of the fifth, the Diamondbacks leading the Giants three to nothing your other games on the scoreboard for tonight again game two between the Mariners and Nationals you have the Pirates and Marlins the Reds and Yankees Phillies and Blue Jays Blue Jays firing their manager today after a really hot start to the season especially offensively they've kind of fallen down a little bit and uh, Charlie Montoyo out of Toronto Boston plays Tampa The White Sox play the Guardians, the Dodgers, and the Cardinals. The Orioles, the Red Hot Orioles. And the Cubs, the A's, and the Rangers. Again, the Padres and the Rockies. Oh, man. Let's go to the hotline. What's going on, Paul? What's going on, my fellow Yankee brothers? What's going on? Oh, I'm not a Yankees (laughs) fan, Paul. Don't don't do that to me. Yeah, you are. You just don't know it. Trust the process. The (laughs) process will trust you. Hey, the tr- trust the process worked out real well for the last team that used that phrase. Say that again? I said the phrase trust the process worked out really well for the last team that used that. Oh, Philadelphia? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, the 76ers. Yeah, that didn't work out good for them at all. I, no, like I, the I know. I was, I, was, I was being sarcastic, Paul. <laughs> exactly. That's why I said I like it. That's what you but got, man. The Yankees, so I mean, different ball game. You know I call for a few reads because I bet try to get in. It's hard to get in. So check it. Now, yesterday that, that um ugly Sox, Red Sox fan called, okay, first of all, I think he, he got some computer stuff with him where he makes sure my calls don't go through y'all and go somebody else. So he making sure y'all don't get my calls. I know he's doing it. Anyway, that's a good joke, but check it. He mentioned when he called in yesterday about how you're giving the, the Yankees credit, you know, being great and most likely, which we will win the championship, you know, I want you to keep doing that great thing. You're doing a great thing. You're calling it honestly, that how great we're playing and so on, and it's really looking like we're going to win it all this year. So don't mind a Red Sox fan. 
Especially Red Sox fan that is a cowgirl fan. Come on, I mean, talk about delusional, right? <laughs> Ooh, I don't even know how you could be a fan of both teams. I'm being honest. That's that's one in a, 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 a trillion. And then and then he puts like icing and then he puts icing on the cake by being a Warriors fan. I know, I know, right? I mean, come but, on. But we, I mean, we love Martin, right? Like y'all said, he all over the region. He all over the region. He confused. <laughs> Somebody told him wrong. He confused. That just. I don't know who to blame. I don't know who to blame. Somebody lied to him. <laughs> but check it. Earlier you were saying about when you talking about the Saints and the James Winston thing, what's the worst can happen? Some people would probably say not making a playoffs. But for me, I believe in championship or bust. That's me. I don't, with all my teams. Because the number one goal is to win the championship. I don't think like a cowgirl fan. A cowgirl fan, at one time, they used to think about championship. All they think about is making the playoffs or winning a division. Talk about low ball. I mean, small mind, right? So, I believe with, when it comes down to the Saints and any team, man, it's supposed to be championship on bus. And I, I always liked the Winston since college. I really want to see what he's going to do with the Saints. I mean, I, I had more of an um, upside for him when we had that guy that quitted on us, the quitter. And I don't believe in the coach we have now. He really has to show me something because all he showed me what he did with the Raiders. And that, I'm sorry, it is what it is. But as a defensive mind, he, he wins that hands down. Paul, so, Paul I got to ask you, who are you referring to when you say the quitter? I would never say his, his government name. That coach that used to coach us, he quit on us. Okay. I, 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 I got who you're talking about. Exactly, the quitter. He'll never, never. He left me at the altar. So, I just look at it. That's what it is with the Saints. We um we coming out of a um, a mediocre de- um, division. Our competition is the um, the Buccaneers. I don't see the other two um, being competitive enough. But I mean, when you're paying your rivalry, everybody plays to their highest. So, it's going to be a different Saints this year. Pretty much a different NFL with all the moves that have been made from coaches to players. It would be interesting. So until people start getting film on everyone, hey, you won't know. And, you know, in the off season, everybody's going to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I just I just hope I'm not ready for, for the football yet because I'm still trying to heal. And I believe if I try to do baseball and football right now, I'm going to burn a fuse in my fuse box. So... I just look at it this way. And when that little guy Martin likes to call, he always likes to talk about his worst losses of being a cowgirl fan. I want to add this. It's been 27 years of his worst losses, season by season, because it's either championship or bust. So guess what? They even lost to the Jets. He never mentioned that's the worst loss. How you lose to the Jets? So for that team, it's been 27 years of misery. So every season and every game, win and lose, it's been his worst game that he ever lost. I leave off. Oh, one thing, bro. Hey, your brother used to play football, huh? When he was like a freshman in high school, yeah. I think it was Crowley, huh? Played for Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Okay. Well, uh, I, well, I go to physical therapy at a lady last maiden name is Thibodeau. She's from Rain. She knows you. I I met her. I forgot her first name. I met her after the um, birthday thing. And she, she was talking about that. She was talking about because I talked about the birthday thing. And she said, I always knew he was going to go into sports. I think she used to be a cheerleader. Her last name was Thibodeau. 
and she used to practice with your brother and everything. She was about how animated and hype he was. I said, that ain't never changed. <laughs> no, that, that's never changed. That's never changed. So, definitely to share that with you, man. Small world, bro. Small world. I appreciate that, Paul. Definitely, definitely. Don't worry. I'm tuning in and listening. Don't worry. I be trying to get in. Don't worry, my brother. So, but look, <laughs> don't take no calls. Don't listen to delusional fans like them, them Red Sox fans. They wrong. So, appreciate you, Martin. One, bro. Appreciate you, Paul. <laughs> Right. Oh my God, those two, those two are impeccable, absolutely impeccable. The game one zero three seven Lafayette one zero four one Lake Charles wants to help you win a brand new Apple Watch, and all you have to do is send a simple text message. The game one zero three text game to three three seven two eight three. 8100. That's G A M E to 337 283 8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch, plus tons of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the Games Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Take a time out right here. When we return, Chris Murphy of the Action Network will join us to discuss the British Open getting underway here in about seven hours. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field, going back on it's Gordon, he'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The final major of the year is tomorrow in the British Open. At the old course at St. Andrews, it's the 150th Open. Let's talk about it and preview who's going to win it with our guy Chris Murphy of the Action Network. Chris, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Thanks for having me again. So looking at the Scottish Open quickly before we move on to the British Open, Xander Shoffley getting the win there. You know, we talked about Colin Morikawa and Will Zalatoris being the two guys to watch in this tournament, and neither one of them made it past Friday. Yeah, absolutely. And that uh yeah, the the link style can do that to you, especially um we had a huge wave split on Thursday of last week uh, where the morning guys got about a three-stroke advantage on the guys that went off in the afternoon. And that's that's something um, that you really have to watch, uh, especially across the pond. It, it can just change so quickly. Um, so that's something to always keep an eye on going into to tomorrow as well. And Xander Shoffley is a guy that has, has really had such a great run as of late. You know, winning, I want to say, six tournaments now on the season. Just having an absolutely fantastic year, third in the FedEx Cup. You know, have you expected this out of Xander for a long time? Like, following his career, have you seen this kind of run coming out of him? 
Yeah, I mean, you you assumed and and thought that he was going to break through at some point. You know, it, when he wanted the Travelers, it had been more than three years since he last won a a tour event. You know, he had um, the the win with Patrick Cantlay. I guess I should say a solo tour event. He had the win with Patrick Cantlay uh, at the Zurich, and then he had the the gold medal uh, from a couple years ago. But he had not. Uh, won a, a solo tour event in, in over three years, and he had been so close so many times. Um, so it was, it was good to see him finally break through, and then he, he goes on and he won the uh, little J.P. McManus uh, Pro-Am, which had a, you know, featured 14 of the top 15 players in the world, and then he carried that on into the Scottish. So, you know, they, they say winning breeds winning, and he's certainly showing that to be the case, and now he's you know, one of the guy, the top two guys on the uh, at the top of most leader odds boards this week. So um, it would be interesting to see how he continues to carry that forward. Seven career wins for Shoffley. I misread that three so far this season, but the number that sticks out to me about him is ten second place finishes in his career. I mean, so yeah. close, so many times. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's been right there, um, and he's had some issues getting home, and you know he. Had five strike advantages in in both the Travelers and the Scottish that he you know was behind on the back nine of of Sunday, but found a way to get it done. And you know sometimes that's that's all these guys need is just to uh, have a little bit of of success, and and it can really propel them forward. Looking at the open, looking at some of the pairings, you know Phil Mickelson going early in the morning, seven thirty a.m., which would be one thirty here in the states. Patrick Reed right after him, Bryson DeChambeau right after that, you know, and, and I've seen some reports saying that the LIV golfers were purposefully put in those early morning positions. Do do you think there's any truth to that? Uh, well, it ha- it happened last week at the Scottish too, so I I think they have a little bit of a um, of a point there. Um, and you know it's it's all done behind closed doors as to how pairings are put together and who gets what times, but it, it's done for TV. And there's uh, in a lot of cases, and there's uh, certainly a lot of reason to showcase some of the other guys um, and and have some of uh, the the LV players going off, you know, early or or late uh, in in waves. Looking at the old course at St Andrews, you know, there's a good mixture of whole length you know the first hole is the 375 yarder and then you go to the fifth which is a par five at 570 and then you go down to a par three of only 187 you know how does that factor into your approach to to the course if at all yeah i mean it's it's old school versus new school now i mean there's there's not any room for the old course to expand and and make holes longer like they've done at augusta and everything like that so it's going to be interesting to see how these guys attack the course. Uh, the word is that it is hard and fast out there. They haven't had much rain. Um, and so we're going to see some guys taking different approaches. Some are going to, going to lay back knowing that um, they need to stay short of trouble. Uh, others, you know, may pull driver and be trying to, to really attack and, you know, drive greens where they can or, or get short clubs into their hands. It's, it's hard to know right now, um, and I, I think if you you listen around the industry, there's a, a lot of different speculation as to 
the way that it's going to play and what's going to be important this week. Um, so I'm I'm trying to you know really kind of play the the middle of the road. I I, I tend to think it's going to favor the guys that are good with a wedge in their hand and uh, are good on these uh, putting on these enormous greens. You know, three putt uh, avoidance is going to be a key factor. Um, so I'm I'm going back to guys like Jordan Spieth that I I feel pretty comfortable. Um, can figure it out and, and have shown the ability to do it on, on this type of track before. Chatting with Chris Murphy here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You mentioned Jordan Spieth having success at, at link-style courses. Another guy that has had success at the old course is Tiger Woods. Now, I know that Tiger is not the same Tiger that, that we're used to seeing, but he has claimed two Opens at the old course. What are you expecting out of him this weekend? You know, I, I'll be happy to see him out there. I, I don't have a whole lot of um, playing expectations for him. You know, he's made some comments already that, you know, he just still, the, the walk is the biggest issue and being able to get through it. You know, it was a struggle to watch him at the third round of the PGA Championship, and ultimately he decided to withdraw prior to the fourth round. Um, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of playing expectations for him. Um, but it's it's always fun to see him on the course, and and that's kind of where where I'm leaving my expectations. You know, you, you're talking about Tiger Woods, his biggest issue being the walking right now. Do you think the PGA Tour would ever make an exception and you know maybe let him ride a cart? You you would think for everything that he's done for the game that that if anybody gets an exception, it may be him. Uh, but I think they they probably worry about going down that rabbit hole and i think tiger probably has too much pride to to so even ask that, right? um so i i don't see it happening so jordan spieth is one guy you're looking out for who are a couple others that, that you think could have success this weekend yeah it's gonna be similar types of players uh you know cam smith uh he struggled a little bit in the opening two rounds last week uh, but he made it through the, to the weekend on the number, and, and I think that really is going to help him. He shot 67, 68 over the weekend, really seemed to find something. He's been a player that's hot this year uh, and, again, is is a magician with the short game, uh, really great on the greens when he has it going. Uh, and he's somebody that I think is, is interesting to watch out for at a, a little bit of a longer number. He's uh, hovering around you know, plus 2,800 or so. Uh, that's those are the types of guys, Shane Lowry, you can kind of throw into that mix. Those are the types of guys that I'm targeting right now. And then, you know, I think it'll be interesting to, to watch live, see how it kind of plays, and if it favors any type of player, and you can make some, some adjustments or make some live bets um, based on, on what you see. Fantastic stuff, as always, from Chris Murphy. Appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. And there he goes, Chris Murphy of the Action Network and a PGA Tour golf writer. You know, I'm interested to, like he said, you know, not a whole lot of playing expectations, but what kind of Tiger Woods are we going to see? You know, are we going to see maybe flashes of a vintage Tiger? Would this be the final time we see him at St. Andrews? You know, uh, an interesting article I found on, on CBS Sports is titled Tiger Woods gets to be the man in the arena for one last run at St. Andrews. It's a fascinating way of putting it. You know, is is this Tiger's ride off into the sunset for a course that has treated him very well throughout his career? 
interested to see how that's going to play out this weekend in Scotland. We'll take one last time out, wrap up hour number one on the other side. You're listening to The Game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Guy Radio. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, there, there's a story coming out about the NBA. An in-season tournament talking about beginning as early as 2023-2024. All 30 teams would compete. Eight teams will enter a single elimination format to crown a winner. And the semifinals would be held at a neutral site. So in the middle of the season. Right, like an all-star tournament, basically. And then you also still play all 82 games? Or are you looking to shrink it to like 64? Like what's going on? My question is why? Like why do you feel the need to change the product? The NBA is still one of the highest grossing sports in the world. Why Why change it? We'd already seen a change when it came to the bubble. Like, I get you have, and, and the bubble was a failure. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll be 100% transparent with you. The second the Pelicans were out, I stopped watching the bubble. It was horrible. It was, it was bad basketball. The bubble's not great. I still don't love the idea of the playing tournament. But a mid-season tournament? Yeah, because for... we, we, we play 82 games and we still can't decide who's going to be the final like one or two spots. Right. A mid-season tournament? That's silly. That's AAU style. That's... I, I, I don't see a point in that. And, and it, it's like... The, the Summer League championship rings. Do you see that? The, the team that wins Summer League is getting rings? Generic 2022 Summer League champion rings? I heard uh, Zach Gelb talking about it the other day, and they, they were saying, man, you know, if you're the 12th guy on the Summer League team that's never going to sniff the full-time NBA roster and you win one of those, you're going to pawn that thing so fast. Make a quick five thousand, and you know, call it a day. I mean, that that's just that's silly. I'll I'll never ever understand that. Speaking of basketball, Pelicans second round draft pick EJ Liddell will miss the entire twenty twenty two season after suffering a torn ACL in the second summer league game. Of the season, James, just a brutal move or a brutal news for a guy that was called the steal of the draft. Yeah, it is very unfortunate. I don't know how much of a role he would have had, but now that he's going to be out indefinitely, it does change things up a little bit. What do you think about Zion pulling up at the Summer League game in Vegas? That's good. I like that. He's there. He's sitting with Willie Green. You love it. You love to see it because now we're already building chemistry. They're going to be talking about, hey, 
what are some ideas that we could do? We could do some point Zion plays. We could have it to where it's like you swing it to Ingram and then Ingram throws it right back to you as you cut towards for a dunk. That team's going to be special. God, that team is going to be special. I'm really looking forward to Pelicans basketball. Looking at the poll question, who will be wide receiver number four in the Saints lineup? Kyle, Kai Canty says Jarvis Landry, probably. That's fair. I mean, three and four in an NFL depth chart are really interchangeable. It just comes down to which side slot you're on. But, I mean, really, it, I don't know that it makes a, a huge difference what side of the line you line up on in in the NFL. The Houston Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball, and we want to help you see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse and 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hour number one, come and gone. Hour number two, Brendan Ertle. And this or that on NFL running backs. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two here on your Wednesday crunch time with me guys and mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Let's go quickly now to the hotline. Our guy Martin's been waiting for a couple minutes. Martin, what's going on? You know what they call what me and foot gave the nickname me and foot gave that guy Paul that just called, huh? What's that? Petty Paul, you know why? Because the Yankees fans, especially him, are always complaining about something of or about a team cheating. The, the Astros cheated. The Red Sox cheated. Well, I guess what? Your Yankees cheated, and they still couldn't win a World Series. So that's that's all I got to say about that. He's just mad that we got the more recent World Series championship, and uh, his team blew a three old a three. Nutley lead last night to the Cincinnati Reds. And an interesting little fact, up till last night, the Reds were 0-38 after trailing, when trailing uh, after the, the eighth inning last night. So that was their first, uh, their first win uh, when trailing. But the Yankees doing what they do best, and that's choke. Nah. I didn't uh, – Kevin Fudge is doing a summer project saying uh, the most heartbreaking losses. And now Paul ain't going to – he ain't, he ain't going to admit this, and no Saints fans going to admit this, but I'm going to bring one up for the, for the New Orleans Saints fans. And that was back when the Saints won the Super Bowl, and they thought they were going to go undefeated. And then my lovely Dallas Cowboys, which is America's team, no matter how much they try and fight, people try and dis, dis, 
disown them as that as that as that crown and that, and that name. We always gonna be America's team because no matter how bad we are or how good we are, we they, people still talk about the Cowboys. So that's why we're America's team. But we came into what y'all call a stadium, the Superdome, and we waxed the New Orleans Saints and we gave them their first loss of the season. So. That 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 um he's not gonna admit that and I'm gonna go ahead and say that coach's name because he's gonna be the next Dallas Cowboys head coach within two oh, years. Martin, you don't and believe that, that do you? Say that again. You don't believe that, do you? You think Sean Payton's going oh, to Dallas? Honestly, one hundred percent. He's coming home. He's gonna he's gonna win a couple of Super Bowls with his with his Dallas. Say say that again. I didn't I didn't interrupt you. Go ahead. So he's gonna win two Super Bowls with my Cowboys. That way we can we he can talk in, in the autumn Saints fan can say that the Cowboys can't win in the playoffs. And because uh, this is this is a telltale year for for Mike McCoy. If he don't do nothing this year, he's gone. He's gone. We tired of that that Green Bay Packer uh, keeping us from winning the Super Bowl. He he's garbage. He didn't. I mean, he won one Super Bowl with with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And uh. And then he come and he he's wasting our time right now. But now another thing I wanted to get to. Instead of Paul hating on my Red Sox and everything, he should be thanking the Red Sox because we when when they start losing, who's the first team they start looking for 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 talent from? The the Boston Red Sox. So he should be thanking me. And the reason why I brought that up is because they're about to acquire another. Former Boston Red Sox and uh, Benintini, or however you say his name, he's with the with the Royals right now. But I think he's going to get traded to the New York Yankees. But uh, but uh, that's all I had to say about that. Now I, I wanted to see if you seen, but your your Washington Capitals got him a goaltender today. You seen that? Got two goaltenders today. Two goaltenders from my Stanley Cup win in Colorado Avalanche. So. I think you're going to be a, a, a team to watch out for next season, man. I'd be excited if if I was you, man. Cause, I'm, I'm uh, thrilled. That was kind of their weak spot last season, you know. But they've been uh, I've been kind of watching the NHL. They've been having a lot of big names uh, sign free agent deals today. Uh, I know Ty Domi's son signed with the Chicago Blackhawks. But I'm going to tell you something right now. The, the Ottawa Senators are, are, are loading up, man. They, right. they, they signed a couple of... Uh, Big big name guys, but uh, but yeah, man, that's all I wanted to say. But yeah, Patty Paul, don't listen to nothing that man says. All he's doing is crying, and uh, he's probably jealous of um James Mess's orange shoes too. But uh, we're not gonna go back to that story. <laughs> Appreciate you, Martin. But, yes, sir. Y'all have yourself a good one and go Red Sox and and Weedin boys. So a couple of things to to unpack here. The Cowboys are not America's team. They're not. They can say that they are all that they want to, but the reason that people talk about the Cowboys is because they're garbage. They take elite talent and waste it. Exhibit A, Dak Prescott. Exhibit B, Zeke Elliott. Exhibit C, Amari Cooper. C.D. Lamb. I can go on and on and on. Micah Parsons is going to get wasted. 
and then the other thing, you know, the the, the Boston Red Sox, I, I get it that you have the most recent success. Uh, and I've brought this up plenty of times. 27 doesn't compare to 8 or 9. The Yankees are still the better franchise. They're the New York Yankees. That's my two cents on that. That is my two cents on that topic. Looking at a couple of headlines, talked about it earlier, the Blue Jays have fired their manager, Charlie Montoyo, after a struggling stretch for the Blue Jays. British Open, Rory McIlroy is the favorite, but look out for Tiger Woods, according to betters. And then Martin touched on it. Cup-winning goaltender Darcy Kemper has signed a five-year, $26.5 million deal to join the Washington Capitals, which me being a Washington Capitals fan makes me very, very happy. Also, we're, we're going to get into this here in, in a minute, is the top 10 wide receivers and the top 10 running backs in the NFL. But let's go to the hotline again. Luke joins the show. Luke, what's going on? What's going on, fellas? Not a whole lot. Make it quick and easy. I know it's uh, it's wine old Wednesday, but I think Martin's hitting the bottle a little bit too hard this, this early. Sean Payton, he may go to the Cowboys. Ain't a snowball's chance, and you know where they would ever win two Super Bowls. I would put money that the Saints will win two before Dallas wins two. That's all I got to say, fellas. I, I would take that bet. <laughs> I would take that bet. Martin's crazy. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you all. I I would I would take I would definitely take that take that bet. I mean, the I I don't see the Cowboys winning a Super Bowl for another fifteen years. I just don't, and, and that's being generous. As long as Jerry Jones has a say in what goes down, they will never be successful, ever. You you just can't. Your 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 owner can't be your general manager and your coach. Jerry Jones is calling every shot of that team, and you can't tell me otherwise. And as long as that continues to happen, the Cowboys will never succeed. So get used to first-round playoff exits because that's going to be the extent of it. All right, let's look at the NFL's list, top 10 running backs in the NFL, and then at 5.15 in the next segment, James and I will play a little this or that. So number 10, Javante Williams. Number 9, Aaron Jones. Number 8, Najee Harris. 7, Christian McCaffrey. 6, Joe Mixon. 5, Alvin Kamara. 4, Dalvin Cook. 3, Nick Chubb. 2, Jonathan Taylor. And one, Derek Henry. I don't completely disagree with this list. My number one is this list's number four. I think it's Cook, Taylor, Henry, Chubb, Kamara, 
and then six through ten is pretty accurate. In in, in my opinion, James, what do you think? I know this sounds crazy, but I have a different number one. Who's your number one? It's that list number seven. McCaffrey. Yeah. When he's healthy, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. And that's the thing that's great about today's NFL. There's so many good backs. And it's like even if you even if you it's it's the same thing with fantasy football. Even if you don't have the first pick in the draft, you're still gonna get a good you're back. You're still getting such a good quality back. Yep. Like there's it's not like there's a hierarchy of like S tier and there's only like one of them. And then there's like maybe three A's and then like five B's and everyone else is just mad. Right. No, there's like there's like twelve A's. And, and there's then like twenty B's. It's like you can't go wrong with any right. of these backs. Even seeing someone that's like you'd be like, wow, they're only twentieth? Well, it's like even then, they're still good backs. Look look at the rest of the league though. It's like like David Montgomery for me, he's on the lower end. Right. But he's still a he's, I would still say consider him a good back. Yep. Absolutely. It's Man, just it's just getting to who's your RB two and RB three. That's where it gets interesting. But there's a lot of good quality backs, and because there's so many, that's why I know we had the conversation earlier about you would trade Michael Thomas before Alvin Kamara. Absolutely. I would trade Alvin Kamara before Michael Thomas because running back is so much easier to replace. Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with you. Running back is easier to replace. I and I get However, it. I get it. Kamara's so versatile, but Kamara's already twenty seven. So is Mike, and so is Mike. But running backs don't last as long. Wide receivers, on average, last like three, four more years than running backs. That's true, but Kamara hasn't had any major injuries. No, but he's, Thomas has. He's he started to get those injuries because he's getting too many touches, and if it, it feels like he's always had to be on a pitch. But count. I also think that's why they're bringing a- Abram Smith in. You're gonna you're gonna levy out some of those touches. Exactly. I mean, he's still gonna get 20 touches a game. He need, I mean, he needs to get his 20. It's just once we hit that 30 mark, that's right. where it's like okay, let's calm down. 20 to 25 is a good range to get Kamara per game. I agree. And that's and that's rushes. And passes. Yeah. Like 25 touches of the football per game is a, is a fair mark for, for him to hit. All right, so that's the top 10 list of running backs. We've talked about our top 10 list. The next segment here at 515, we're going to do this or that. We did this or that a couple weeks ago with quarterbacks, and you guys loved it. So we're going to keep doing it, and this time we're going to do it with running backs. So we'll take a time out right here. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, packing its bags, and we're headed to Atlanta. It's SEC Media Days starting Monday, July 18th, as both RP3 and Company and Crunch Time with me, Gaz and Mesh. We're broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame for the games live from SEC Media Day coverage presented by Bordelon Furniture. Not only will RP3 and myself be broadcasting live, we will also be providing live updates every day on footnotes from 9 to 11 and the Jordy Holtberg Show from 2 to 4. Let's kick off college football the right way in Atlanta with the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Take that time out and do this or that on the other side. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 520 on the Wednesday, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, and you. All right, James, let's play this or that. Running backs. So for the first couple rounds, we're going to have one constant, and that's Christian McCaffrey. So it'll be, would you rather Christian McCaffrey or blank? And then after a few rounds, we'll just start throwing some oddballs at one another. So uh, I'll go first. Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor? Ooh. Oh, I'm I'm throwing the guns. I'm coming out early, bro. Ooh. I'm I might take Jonathan Taylor. Absolutely. I, Absolutely to... you're taking Jonathan Taylor. But that's but that's also me saying that as Christian's my number one. I still think he's the best back, but I'll take Jonathan since he's younger and I haven't seen him get injured yet. Jonathan Taylor averaged five and a half yards a carry last year. And and that was with having Carson Wentz as your quarterback. Right. And and you still he still doesn't really have great weapons on the outside. Michael Pittman's not bad, but other than that, it's looking suspect on the outside. His rookie year in the league, he averaged five and a half yards a carry and ran for eighteen hundred yards. I mean, what an animal. Now, granted, a great rookie season almost guarantees you a sophomore slump. But still, I mean, 1,800 yards in your rookie year in a terrible franchise like the Colts. Absolute, they're not terrible. Last couple of years, they've been pretty bad. I'd put them, they're middle of the pack. They're not e- bad. Ever, ever since Peyton left, they've taken a big decline. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. Okay, 2011. Yeah, but Andrew Luck kept him afloat. Then he finally retires, but they have the good offensive line, and they're just they're more than a quarterback away. But getting a good QB to me and Matt Ryan, they'll look good. It'll I, help. I, I believe they'll win the AFC South. Yeah, that that's not hard though. Still, that's not still yeah, still going ten still, and seven, eleven and six. Yeah, that's fair. All right, what you got? Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley? Injured and injured more. Um, They're both so similar. They really are. They both play such a similar style. I guess McCaffrey because he's been doing it longer. Okay. Got a little bit more experience. Again, I, I, I feel like they're one and the same. They're both injury prone. They both are bruisers when they run and can catch the ball very well out of the backfield. So I mean, either, either way, I think you're I think you're doing well there. Um, Christian McCaffrey or Aaron Jones? Christian McCaffrey, easy. I love Aaron Jones, and I was there for the hype of start him in fantasy, give him more touches in Green Bay, but ever since then. I don't know. It just feels like the hype's kind of gone down a little bit. 
they toward the end of the season they go towards AJ Dillon. Yep. And I mean, even though he, he didn't, even though he, them. even though he didn't get injured as often, I still like Christian McCaffrey. I just in my personal offense, I wouldn't be using him thirty five touches a game. Yeah. So he wouldn't be injured as much. It's fair. All right, what you got? Jonathan, or the, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, or Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. He's just such a hard runner. And then when you when he gets into the second level, good luck catching him. I mean, you're not going to get him. It's it's almost a 1A, 1B because they both have been injured a lot in there. Yep. And as soon as they get to the second level, both of them are gone. It's true. So it's true. It's just a personal preference. McCaffrey or Derrick Henry? McCaffrey. Really? I'm not. I get it. I get the hype. He's 6'3". And he's arm bar, stiff arm guy. But for me personally, I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan of Derrick Henry. He's huge, and everyone's intimidated to, and scared to tackle him and afraid of being part of his highlight reel of getting stiff arm. But when you watch him run, he it doesn't feel like he runs aggressively. It feels like he just kind of gallops and no one is really able to stop him. I don't like that he only played eight games last year. No, and then... He had his he he had his foot injury. He finally came back for the wild card, mm-hmm. and, and he he was still won the same even even with the metal in yeah. his foot was absolutely absent. I I remember that, but you know you look at his numbers: four ninety his first year, seven forty four his second year, and then he goes ten fifty nine, fifteen forty, and then twenty twenty seven in twenty twenty. I mean. And the last year, I mean, took a big dip with only playing eight games. He ran for nine thirty-seven and ten touchdowns. But man, those that stretch from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty was something special. No doubt it was. I just not. I'm just not huge on Derrick Henry. You don't really throw it to him. It's just a lot of halfback dives. Whereas you can do pretty much anything. Martin sent us one. Yeah, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey or Najee Harris. Oh, that's. That one's interesting because I always like having new fresh backs. So Najee would be very interesting because he's just like McCaffrey. I would just normally, younger. I would normally say Najee, but I'm not going to give Martin that Alabama Crimson Tide satisfaction. <laughs> not going to do it. So Chris McCaffrey, Stanford Cardinal. Yep, Chris McCaffrey. So, all right, let, let's let's mix it up here. Austin Eckler. Or Joe Mixon? I like Austin Eckler. Yeah. I like also like Eckler a lot more. Joe's really good. We saw him throw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Right. But I don't know. Something about Austin. He's just so shifty. Oh, yeah. He's, he's special. Like, he's, he's a bigger Sproles. He, that's, he's a, a, that's a great comparison. He's a bigger Sproles, in he, my opinion. He really is. That's a great comparison. Just And I love I can't believe anybody's. I can't believe anybody said that before. I've never heard anybody say that. <laughs> Just because when you saw him in New Orleans, you saw a lot of halfback delayed handoffs. Mm-hmm. But and I don't know. I guess it's just the way they run, the way the way Austin runs. But it feels like he gets stronger throughout the game, and he's always a great option. He's he always seems to be open for Justin Herbert if Mike Williams or Keenan Allen isn't open. So I got I got to go Austin there. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'd, I'd take Eckler as well. Would you take Cordero Patterson or Cam Akers? Cam Akers. Cam Akers. I, I'm not. I don't. I don't buy the hype in, in Cordell Patterson. No, I, I, I would take Cam Akers too. But I, I, it's just the fact that Cordero's done it for so long. He's a lot older, but he doesn't have the wear and tear because he was mainly just a punt returner, mainly just on the outside. Right. But you put him on the inside as running back. Any team he's been with, where you put him as a tailback, super effective. And then when he got now that he's in Atlanta. They were kind of doing half and half. A little more on the running back side, but you put him on the outside. I mean, you saw what he did with the Saints. He toasted Adebo for a 64-yard catch and almost scored. It's just he finally got caught up. Oh, here's one that'll trip you. Christian McCaffrey or Nick Chubb? Oh, oh don't do that to me because you know I love Nick Chubb. Martin, sent it. Martin did it to you, not me. Oh. And I love, I love north-south runners. Especially the ones that are fast. You're, you're picking Nick Chubb, and that's okay. Oh, well, no, I really don't know. Am I playing Madden with them, or is this like who is going to be my tailback, like IRL? Real real life, who's going to be your tailback? Oh, Christian McCaffrey. Whoa! That was not the answer I was expecting. I really thought you were going to say Chubb. And I love Chubb, too. I, I think I just got to go McCaffrey. Like I said, he's pretty much a wide receiver just like Kamara. Yeah, but you can also run him as your power back, your third down back. Put him out at wide. I mean, you could do whatever with him. Let's look at two young backs. You going J.K. Dobbins or Elijah Mitchell? Elijah's Elijah's really good. There's only, I just, there's I'm only just, one right answer here. I'm just. I'd probably have to. I like J.K. Dobbins, but the fact that he's coming off an ACL. That's scary. I'd have to lean. I'd have to go Mitchell. Absolutely. Elijah's a different dude. Javante Williams or DeAndre Swift? Oh. Oh, man. Probably Swift. But that's hard. I I like Javante Williams. I, I do, too. Literal bowling ball. Literal oh, bowling ball. That's hard. People just reflect off the man. They bounce off him. I didn't think you were going to stump me with running backs, but you got me. I love Javante I, Williams. That's tough. You know what's funny? We haven't done a Camaro one yet. Nope, we haven't. Because I, I think if we did a Camaro one, the answer should be Alvin Camara every time. Practically. Every time. One more for each. Okay. Um. All right, here we go. Alvin Camara. Or Kareem Hunt? Kamara. Is it close? Not really. I like Kareem. I definitely like Kareem. I feel like they're similar backs. They kind of are a little bit. Kareem feels a little more of power guy. Yep. But, yeah, I'd still definitely go Kamara. Because yep. who's going to be my feature back? I'd rather Kamara than Kareem Hunt. That's fair. All right. Would you go... Oh, I'm trying to come up with a good one. <laughs> He's going to try and stump me again. Would you rather Clyde Edwards-Hilaire okay. or Leonard Fournette? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Very similar playing styles. 
Edward Solaire is a little bit better as a receiver, and he's a hell of a lot younger. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I would take Clyde Edwards Solaire in that battle. That's fair. And and I don't. I'm not dogging Leonard Fournette because Leonard Fournette For, still can Fournette's, do it. Fournette's a dude. Fournette can still do it. But uh, if again, we're starting a franchise right now, again, they're they're pretty similar players. Edwards Lair has a edge in terms of receiving, and he's younger. That would be that would be my three reasons why I would go Clyde Edwards Lair on that one. Man, that was good. And you know who else we didn't we didn't touch on at all? We didn't use Josh Jacobs. I kind of have Josh Jacobs on the lower end. Do you really? Yeah. Huh. I have a 24th. 24th. That's incredible. 24th. Yeah. Like I said, and I it's not that I don't like them. I just think there are 23 other backs better. No. Oh, all right. And and that's at this current moment. All right, before we take a timeout, got some some sad news to share. Matt's not going to be here tomorrow or Friday. James, that's the moment that you play the the sad song. I don't have a sad song. Okay. Anyways. We only had Mike hype music. I am heading on a bachelor trip for the weekend. So my guy and a member of the Karen Crow High football broadcast team, Mr. Blaine Viatar, is going to fill in for me tomorrow and Friday. And I will be back on Monday from Atlanta for SEC Media Days. So James, you know, you and Blaine are gonna have to hold down the fort. For the next couple of days, it's fine by me. Yeah, you, you're, you're probably looking for another break from me. <laughs> this guy, I got two days. Of, I need, I need to get him out of here. This guy. Let's take a time out right here. When we return, Who Dat Wednesday with Brendan Ertel. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Good at Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. My guy, Brendan Ertle, what's going on, man? What's up, guys? So, training camp's coming in 13 days. I, I, I got to ask you, it's our, it's our poll question of the day. Who's going to be the fourth wide receiver in New Orleans? Ooh. Um, first off, I think it's a good question. I, I would have to say it'd be between Callaway or Deontay Hardy. I think both bring, you know, different skill sets. Um, I think, you know what, I'll throw Trey Cohen Smith in there as well just because he's a good blocker. But, you know, it has to be between those three, and I'm sure that's what the pull is, so i got to choose one. Um, but you know what, I think at the end of the day, we'll probably see more snaps from Trey Cohen Smith just because he is, such a good blocker and you know uh Dennis Allen and that offense will appreciate that more so than you know maybe what Deontay brings for five to ten deep shots a game uh so I would probably say Traquan's wide receiver four uh and I wouldn't discount Callaway doing that as well because I I think he played a bigger role uh offensively last year than Traquan did honestly uh but you know uh Callaway brings uh a little bit of gunner experience as well. So I would I would say I would say Trey Quan gets the most snaps, but I would put uh Callaway on the field before Trey Quan, but that's why I'm not 
coach in the NFL right now. Right. My my guess is Callaway. Um, you see, I have Traquan being a, a reserve guy. Just cause yeah, there's, that's, that's the goal. There's just so much talent in this receiving core now mm-hmm. after this offseason. But, you know, talking about that, you know, looking at the receiving group, looking at the quarterbacks, looking at the running backs, what group on offense are you most excited to watch and why? Um, I mean, I think it would be unsaints-like for me to not say wide receiver just because the things that we went through these past few years, you know, uh, going back all the way to, you know, Ted Ginn being with Michael Thomas. We haven't seen a real sidekick for Michael Thomas pretty much since Brandon Cooks. And since then it's been, you know, bottom-of-the-barrel kind of guys. I mean, Ted Ginn was great for us. He did a lot more than I thought he was going to do. Um, but I have to say wide receiver just because we haven't seen that. And it's it's exciting to have these weapons just because, you know, Jameis' skill set is built around, uh, let me trust this man across from me. I'm going to give him an opportunity, and he better go get it. Uh, so I think that's going to be a huge thing. And I think they're really going to let, you know, the training wheels off Jameis Winston and let him let him really sling it. So I think we'd have to say wide receivers just because, you know, we know what the running backs will bring. We know AK. We've seen the duo of AK and Ingram. And, you know, we've seen – a little bit of Jameis. So I would have to say, you know, I'm just excited to see Jarvis in the Superdome. I think that's an exciting group, and I think we're a little bit spooled right now in the terms of, you know, wide receiver talent. So, I mean, I'm really looking forward to that. Now, you, you talked about Kamara and Ingram. One thing that I'm noticing is if you look at the career touchdowns race for New Orleans Saints, Ingram is in third at 56, and Kamara is in second at 68. Marcus Colston has 72. So it's pretty safe to say Kamara breaks that record this year. It is pretty insane. I've also seen uh, a stat that came out a couple days ago where it said, you know, most touchdowns through X amount of games, and Kamara was like fifth among running backs. And it's kind of impressive because, you know, throughout his whole career, he, he split carries, he split touchdowns. And he still finds a way to score because, you know, he is – that versatile guy, and it, it is kind of impressive what he's done. You know, we drafted him when we had Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson, and he probably wasn't, you know, an, a fan favorite at that given moment just because it's like, why do we need another running back? We already have two solid running backs. And he was the reason that if we, we could trade Adrian Peterson, what, three or four weeks into the season. Uh, he pushed for carries immediately, and, you know, he's – I don't want to speak on it too soon, but I think he's going to be, you know, okay for this season in terms of suspension. We'll we'll kind of see how long or how short he gets. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see him in a real offense where there's, you know, compliments around him besides himself and wide receiver town around him. What's the floor and what's the ceiling for this team? So that's a good question because I last night I was watching – uh, the Bucks game on Sunday football when Taysom went into Tampa Bay and found a way to, you know, beat them 9 nothing. And you watch that game, and offensively, it was one of the grossest <laughs> games you'll ever see. And I hated every second of it offensively. It's like, okay, I don't even remember if they, if they got a first down that drive, but I doubt they did, and, you know, they didn't. But what was impressive about last year was, you know, they won – five to six to seven games just solely on 
the defense. Right. And, you know, if they can come away this year with the same defense, I think they will. It'll take some time chemistry-wise to build around that defense in the back end. But you really look at, um, you know, the guys that they brought in in the back end, I think they're a little bit of an upgrade, to say. Um, but I think you've built an offense now that, you know, if you have a week where it's the Eagles game and the offense or the defense just didn't show up as much as they should have, you can have an off game here and there, and the offense can win you a game, but they don't necessarily need to. So if this offense is a top, you know, 15 to 10, if they're middle of the pack, I think this team wins 10 games just solely on how good the defense really is because you go back and watch that Tampa game where they beat them 9 nothing, and, you know, they had Jalen Holmes out there making stops and with, you know, Jordan Mills and uh, James Hurst was blocking for Taysom Hill. They found a way to be the Super Bowl champions. So I think this defense will really carry them. And, I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, in, in the past with Drew Brees and slow starts necessarily in the season. And, and recently we haven't seen that. It's because this team's built around how good this defense has been. And when you have a defense like this, you can go as far as the Super Bowl, you know. So, it, I mean, I, I'll say it. This team can win a Super Bowl if this offense is, you know, good. If it's better than it was last year, we have a Super Bowl winning defense, and we just need an offense that can put points on the board. Chat with Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. Looking at the 2022 season going into training camp, give me one player on offense and one player on defense that you're looking for the most. Um, well, I'll start off by saying I think <clears throat> it's tough. So I'll say I want to see what uh, Trevor Penning can do at left tackle. Just because, you know, I rewatched, like I said, that Bucks game, and that position in that game was very, very rough. And, you know, that was James Hurst that game, and Joe Chirinka, Ch- Ch- whatever his name is, that their first round pick, I don't even know how to say his name, just killed them. You know, a rookie killed them. And uh, so that is going to be, you know, a, a huge point of this offense is can they figure out a replacement for Tron Armstead? Can James Hurst, you know, be good enough, or can Trevor Penning figure it out quick enough to start week one? Uh, I mean, we'll find out, but it's really hard to evaluate tackles and get any better without equipment on, and I think that's going to be the main thing. And can um, Doug Marone, you know, jumpstart this running offense? Because technically, in at least past couple of years, it hasn't been a strong point for them, and the running game is usually a strong point for them. So, I want to see that uh, overall get better. Uh, also, I want to see the running backs. Can uh, Abram Smith show something? Sorry, I got a plane going over my head. Um, can Abram Smith be that guy, that running back three, or do they need to go get someone else? You know, they obviously brought in David Johnson. Um, that That's who I'm looking for on the offensive side of the ball. On defense, uh, I think there's a legit going to be a legit competition at cornerback two with Adebo and Alante Taylor. I think he is far more than what, you know, I technically thought they would, they would get in him and he's developing well and Dennis Allen's happy with his development. Uh, so I think that's going to be an interesting, you know, battle there. And if one, you know, let's say Alante Taylor beats out Paul Sandivo can, you know, can they find a trade partner for one of these guys? Cause they're all of a sudden super deep at the position. So, you know, corner is going to be a huge one. Uh, defense tackle, they need to find someone who can start, you know, 
next to David Onyemata consistently. So I think those are the two, you know, main ones, defensive tackle and corner. But, you know, there's going to be competitions at every position, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. Now, you, you've been a Saints guy for a while. Give me your most heartbreaking loss as a oh. Saints fan. I mean, there's been too many, I'll say. <laughs> um, I think I think the the easiest one would be the Minneapolis Miracle. Uh, you know, the NFC Championship one was was heartbreaking, but that it, that's almost like something out of our control. Just because you know the refs obviously threw that game, that we can't control that. But the Minneapolis Miracle is something that could easily been fixed and easily could have changed the total outcome. And I think that team was playing really, really well. I don't know if they necessarily would have beat the Eagles uh, because that team was really good defensively. And, you know, Nick Foles all of a sudden was this Super Bowl caliber quarterback playing really well. Uh, but it would have been a good game. If they, and if they could have got past them, I think they beat that Patriots team as well. What really sucks is I think they beat both those Patriots teams uh, when they lose the NFC Championship as well. So I think that's that's – Probably the worst, obviously. Uh, experiencing that as a fan is awful. It wasn't fun. Uh, there was some anger. There were some tears, definitely. So I think the Minneapolis miracle was the worst, just because, you know, the circumstance and everything that's happened and then losing to them again two years later in the wild card game, too. So just don't really like the Vikings, man. Minneapolis miracle, Nola no call, Niners in 2011? Oh, yeah, that, that, that's a good one, too. Uh, I was only 11 years old at that time, so I, I mean, I wasn't into it as much as I, you know, obviously am now. Uh, but there, you know, there's been <laughs> too many heartbreaking losses, and probably some that I'm not even thinking of, just because you know they've been overshadowed over uh, these fast ones. And even the Drew Brees, the final Drew Brees game, that game really sucked, just because the legacy that Drew Brees kind of had, and go to go out like that with what four picks and a game that we should have won that Jared Cook, you know. Like CJ said, through the game. So I mean, that's another one. There's just too many of them, man. So you you bring up Drew Brees. Last thing we'll touch on before we get out of here. There's a report coming out that says he's being targeted by Amazon. I, I mean, Thursday I, night. I, I did I did see that, and I think that'd be a good fit for him. Uh, I was kind of excited to see him. You know, maybe try and team up with Sean Payton in a booth somewhere, but yep. doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, I, I think he'll do good wherever he goes. I don't know what happened with NBC. It didn't seem like you know he was getting probably as much screen time as he maybe wanted. I thought he was going to be doing more games than he did. Uh, so who knows what happened in that situation? But you know, I, I just like to see Drew on TV because he's so smart and uh, he's not necessarily Tony Romo, but he's you know a close thing to it. And I just I need to see Troy Aikman and Joe Buck off my screen. I mean, I I just need to I need them to be replaced. So we got to find some kind of replacement for those guys. I know I'm not the only one that thinks like that. So, uh, you know, Sean and Drew, if they can team up and you know, at some point. But I also saw something about Sean Payton, you know, getting some interest around the league, and he's interested in the Cowboys, Chargers, and Dolphins. So that's interesting as well. So, you know, it, it sucks to see those guys doing things elsewhere, but I'm also happy for them and. I'm glad they're just not off the, off the map and we can still, you know, continue to enjoy them. Absolutely. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. B, appreciate you each and every week, my man. Yes, sir. Well, training camp uh, coming up. Tune in next week for another edition of Who Dat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time.
with Miguez and Mesh. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, a couple minutes left before we get out of here. Ralph Bergeron comments on our poll question of the day and says, Callaway, call me crazy, but think we might see Harris slash Hardy in third and long situations and maybe running some jet sweeps. I think that's Deontay Hardy's main role in our offense. Third and long. When you need some speed, jet sweeps. I mean, that's that that's gonna be Hardy's role. That that and kick returns. That that's I mean, that's right on the money. Absolutely. So Pelicans currently playing in Vegas right now at halftime. They're down three to the Wizards, forty nine to forty six. Of course, EJ Liddell out for the year with the torn ACL that he suffered. Your leading point scorer for the Pelicans is Servidus. Never heard of that name in my life. He has 11 points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, and one assist. Want to take this time to appreciate Chris Murphy and Brendan Ertle for joining us today. British Open starts tomorrow. Big weekend for baseball as we get down to the All Star weekend. We'll cover it all before heading to Atlanta on Monday. For James Mesh and the intern extraordinaire, Mr. Daryl, I am Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. I'll talk to you on Monday from Atlanta. James and Blaine Vitor will be here tomorrow and Friday on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.